0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now here's our message.
1: So, do you believe in the power of love? Yes, we just love it so much. Don't get too excited. Do you believe that love is stronger than hate? Do you? Good. Because you're going to hate this message. No, I'm joking with you. Okay. We're starting a new series titled Love Versus. And so the first one is Love Versus Hate, part one. Next week we're going to talk about loving our enemies. But today we want to make a distinction between the two. Love, okay, looks for the good. Love is always looking for the good, and love has the greatest potential for healing and bringing peace. Hate, on the other hand, okay, can't see the good because it's blinded by its own desires, and hate has the greatest potential for harm and destruction. Back in 1972, I read a, well, I didn't read it then, but the book was written then book by Cory Tin Boom called The Hiding Place. And her story is just so dynamic. She was back uh, under the Third Reich. She was living in Holland and she and her sister Betsy uh, had housed uh, Jewish people who were fleeing from uh, the Nazi invasion. And so they were captured, and she and her sister were put into this concentration camp, and they lived through horrors, and her sister eventually died of disease and malnutrition. It was very tragic for her. They had both suffered so much torture. Uh, but after the war was over, she began to go and speak about the love of Jesus and how God could heal uh, through any situation. And so she relates a story that I, I kind of want to bring into this uh, Talk this conversation that we're going to be having over the next week or few weeks or so on love. Then she she couches it in a way that I think is just perfect. I'll I'll start by reading a little bit. She said, "I was in a church in Munich, and I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in gray overcoat and a brown felt hat, clutched between his hands." People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door in the rear. It was 1947. I had come from Holland to de- <clears throat> come from Holland to defeat Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed to hear most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. I gave them my favorite mental pictures, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. Uh, I like to think that that's where all the things that have been forgiven, all of my sins were thrown in. I said, when we confess our sins, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, and in silence collected their wraps, and in silence left the room. And it was then when I saw him working his way against the others toward me. You see, she saw someone that she hadn't seen in a very long time. Here was a man who was one of her guards, captors, at a concentration camp that she and her sister were in. This man was cruel. He would torture. She was reminded of his face and his sneers and his laughing as they would pile all of their mess of clothes in one place and all the women go into the shower and to be mocked, ridiculed, and abused. There he was right in front of her. And she didn't know exactly what, he was, what was going to happen. She had been telling everyone about the good news of God's forgiveness. But all of a sudden, man, it was there for her, a real-time moment, okay? It was interesting. So here's, here's what happened. Now, he was in front of me, and he thrust his hand out. He said, a fine message, Fraulein, how good it is to know That you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly on forgiveness, fumbled in my pockets rather than to take his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember me, one among thousands of women? But I remembered him and his leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release I had faced any of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück. In your talk, he said, I was a guard there. Now, no, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know God has forgiven me for that cruel things I did. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, against the hand. Again, the hand comes out, Will you forgive me? I stood there. Oh, I who sins every day had been forgiven, but I could not. Betsy, my sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by the asking? That's a tough spot. You see... We can talk about love, we can talk about hate, and it can be very ethereal, it can be very theoretical, very conceptual, but when the war between love and hate is never so powerful as when it arrives on your doorstep, right? Your doorstep, in these moments, it crystallizes our resolve to choose Love or to be or give in to hate. We're, we're, we're at a moment where we realize I have to choose love or I give in to hate. Love will bring personal freedom to anyone that will cling to it with forgiveness. Hate imprisons us to further cruelty. That is to say that. If you don't choose love in a situation like this, that means that you're choosing to further submit yourself into the cruelty that had been foisted upon you. You get that? And So she was at a crossroads, and we'll pick up with her at the end of the sermon. Here's the key. Love looks for the good. Love has the greatest potential, okay, for healing and for peace. Hate cannot see the good because it's blind. Hate has the greatest potential for harm and destruction. Lord, as we consider this topic this morning, we understand our limitations, and you understand our limitations even more. But Lord, in a in a trying time that we're living where it seems like there's so much division and so many reasons, Lord, to disagree to gather into sides, into groups against each other, Lord, that you would help us to understand this principle of love and how powerful it is, and to believe in it, to live it, and to depend upon that love, to change a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Awesome. All right. Before we get into all of this, I just want to say we have a pressing issue that I feel that we have to deal with that's very, very important, and that is in the early chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus says some stuff that to me this week, it just crushed in on my mind and weighed in so much so I realize that what he's saying here in this passage is not just some nice Christian things that, that people like to cut out and put on as a, a placeholder in your um Bible, or send to a friend, this is a manifesto from Jesus about his ethics and says especially his kingdom ethics and what he wants in his kingdom and the people that he wants in his kingdom, okay? There is a choice. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, we have is what, I mean, verse 3, we have what is known as the Beatitudes, Right? And it seems really beautiful, blessed are those, how happy. Let me read this to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, okay, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are how happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you get What's going on in this passage? He's saying, everybody who is currently being oppressed by this world system of the tough grab it, and everybody else fight for it, and everybody on the bottom, you just get what you get. You don't have much hope. That's the way the world operates. And and it's, it's in contradistinction to God's kingdom. Because God didn't say, I'm only going to give it to the strong. I'm only going to give it to those who want it. And if you're willing to fight for it, I'm going to give it to you. Now that's what we're told. And it always winds up with people under our feet. And Jesus, if you read this, you realize he doesn't like it. He stands in distinct contradistinction against that and says, no, I'm not going to do that. And that is not my kingdom. My kingdom. Is going to be made up, and the leaders of my kingdom will be made up of those who mourn and are saddened because of the way they've been treated. I'm going to bring in a kingdom that those who are poor in spirit, there's going to be the kingdom of heaven. And for those who are meek, when you hear that. That, that, that word meek, you think, oh, it's weakness. How, how can you ever have a kingdom? How can you have anybody rule who is somehow seen as meek? The, the term meek uh, in the Greek language is very interesting in that it is a word that means humility and gentleness. Now, you can be as ripped and as brilliant and as capable as anyone But meekness is a choice that says, I would never exert that kind of power over another human being. You see, we're used to fighting. We're used to scrapping our way to the top, to putting somebody under. And he says, in my kingdom, no. Where do you think all the wars and the fighting come from? Is it because people are so meek and loving and kind and care about other people? well, this world was too kind, so it got too boring, and so we started fighting. Been doing it ever since. No, it's the way of this world. And he says, not so in my kingdom. Those who show mercy will be shown mercy. Those who are peacemakers will be called my children. And he said, blessed are you. When people hail insults, uh, insults against you, persecute you, and falsely say evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because this, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And Jesus also told his disciples that he said, Listen, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. What would you do wrong, Jesus? I just told the truth. People don't like that. You see, there is a world system in play now that God is versus. And and this world system lifts up hatred. We like to say, oh, we're not supposed to be people of hate or that's a hate whatever. Listen, people wrap up their junk in new names, but it's the same junk. Okay? Anybody say amen to that? All right, that's pretty good. I do that more often. All right. Now, hatred is something that God is against, and it is something that is diabolical, and it's something that can fuel destruction and the tearing down of lives in this world. Listen, it's a very destructive nature, and it goes against. Jesus and his kingdom of love. Now, when we think of love, we often think of just kind of soft terms. Yeah, you know, you're supposed to love people. That's what the Bible says. And, you know, Jesus wants us to love each other. And, you know, if that's the way you think about it, you have no respect for the love of God. We're told in 1 John, he says that in a literal translation of the, of the Greek is as to his absolute essence, God is love. As to his absolute essence. That's who he is. And so if he's going to turn things around, if he's going to change things, he's going to do it with love, not by nice little soft things, but by seeing that everyone is made in the imago Dei, the image of God. And if I love other people, that means I have to love them when they're messed up. I have to love them and try to help them and to redeem them and to get them out of that. For some reason, hatred or something has got a hold of their mind and it's making them act contrary to the way that God wants us to be. And that's how love becomes very much more powerful than we would ever expect, okay? The word that's used in the New Testament for hatred is misil, And it means a strong dislike with the implication of aversion and hostility to hate, to detest. To hate is especially, is used especially, of malicious and unjustified feelings toward others, whether toward the innocent or by mutual animosity. So, you could come by hate honestly. Somebody could do something so dirty, rotten, and I heard a lot of stories in between service of of folks who had just had tragedies, and people had done the most horrible things to them, and they could come by hate honestly. But hate isn't satisfied with that, is it? It's not not satisfied with that, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it also, it seeks to bring others into its misery. So we can be influenced by friends. Did you hear about so-and-so? No. I hate him. Oh, really? Well, we're friends. I'll hate him too. <clears throat> or maybe your culture. Those people over there, uh, let's hate them. Well, we don't understand them. All the more reason to hate them, you know. Hatred has been on destruction and revenge, okay? And it's always if not always just in re- recruitment mode. You see, this is what the scripture says. 1 John chapter 2. But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Okay? That means so so hatred blinds. We're not able to see correctly. It distorts our vision, okay? Look, look what it says in chapter 3 of 1 John. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you do not know, well, excuse me, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. But then it even gets worse. Chapter 4, verse 20, he says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Okay? That's saying, okay, it it blinds, it causes us to be murderous in our heart, which eventually works its way out. Love seeks to work its way out in good things toward other people. Hatred works itself out once it's come to full completion into mayhem and destruction and the hurting of other people. But it also, it causes us to make false claims that we're unaware of who we are in our true condition. Okay, works like this too. Hatred is not intense anger. Anger can come and go, right? You can get mad, move on. Hatred stays the night. Hatred stays a couple more nights. Hatred sets up house. And hatred starts to do the unthinkable. You see, whenever you see hatred in place, you'll see a few things. It It caricaturizes other people who represent an idea or some type of difference that the person who hates rejects them and despises them. It may be they'll start char- characterizing, not caricature, of people who have maybe their nose. Or maybe a person's lips, or maybe a person's color, or maybe a person's language, or their clothing, or their religion, or whatever it is. This is the operation of the world, and it does it over and over and over and again. And the faces change, but it still shows up and does the same thing. It, it, the, the faces come and go, but, but this just continues. On and on and on. And so what happens is we figure out, well, the current census says that that group of people needs to be treated poorly. They need to be demoralized. They, be, they made, need to be made to pay. And we, if, it's impossible, if it's possible for us, let's dehumanize them and hate them. History is full of the sickness of humanity that follows after hate. The problem is the person who's doing the persecuting, okay, needs to be redeemed. The person who's being persecuted needs to be lifted up and redeemed as well. And God sees the big picture, and hate can only destroy. Love from God in heaven has the ability to destroy both, I mean, to not destroy. He does have the ability, but he has the ability to restore both. That's why love is more powerful. That's why love is more powerful. You see, we want to make them undeserving and different and people become a target. Folks, if if people have done it in the past, various people groups, don't think that us same human beings are going to be any better today. Well, we've learned our lesson. Oh, really? We're repeating the lesson. We're still going back to seventh grade, repeating it over and over again. We're doing it again. And, and God comes in and says, here's my ethic. And if you listen to it, I'll bless it. And I'll show you a way to live in harmony with one another by learning to love one another. That's how that works, you see? That's how that works for us. That's how God gets the message through. You see, there is the destructive nature of hatred. But God combats it with this thing called love. Let me read you a power, a, a, a little portion from a guy who had come to known the power of God's love. Okay? He was a guy by the name of Saul who eventually changed his name to Paul. But he comes to define love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains yet do not have love, I'm nothing, okay? And if I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body, okay, to hardship, that I may boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So what does that mean? He says you can do all of these good works, you can go out and raise money for this. And you can go out and do good works for this. And he says, if it's your heart's full of hatred for a bunch of other people, what'd you actually do? Nothing. Now he could say that. I'll tell you why. Because he was a guy who really loved his religion. And he was very well educated, very, very zealous, and as soon as these Christians started popping up, he's like, uh-oh, I'm going to take care of this. I don't know, these people are wrong, They're out of control, they're, they're bringing down the traditions of our people, we could get in trouble with Rome, uh-uh-uh, and he made it, he appointed himself to go. He had letters he had to go and, and persecute the believers. Stephen, one of the first martyrs, was stoned to death at his feet. As Paul sat there thinking that he was doing God a favor, you see, you look at Paul, and if we just left him in that scene, you would say, that no good, worthless piece of garbage doesn't deserve God's grace. Well, guess what? Jesus isn't you, and Jesus isn't me. So Jesus shows up, knocks Paul off of his his, uh, mount, Paul's laying on the ground, he's blinded up, and and Jesus said, hey, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, the idea is he's got a stick or something. Don't you love the love of God? The love of God will knock you off a horse and poke you with the stick to get your attention. But what happened? God said, you know what? You're blind right now, but you're going to come to your senses, and I'm going to use you. You stinking, murdering, okay, weird zealot that is running around thinking that you're pleasing me by killing people? Are you crazy? I'm going to send you around the world, and you're going to bear my name, and many people will come to me, and you're going to be persecuted for the faith. See you later. And so Paul, this murderous, hate-filled jerk, became one of the greatest people in world history because Jesus himself poured his love out on him. Love is stronger. Love is greater. So, he gives us a definition. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor other people. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, Don't you wish the IRS was like that? Anyway, okay. <clears throat> love, they don't love. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> love does not delight in evil, but rather rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This was a guy who lived it out, who could say, I tried it the other way, believe me. The love of Christ, God's love, love for others does not fail. It doesn't fail. Okay, let's go back to our story with Corey Tim Boom and her interaction with this guard. Read a book a few years ago. It was called a "Perfect Madness" or "Brilliant Madness." I, I forget the title, but it was about uh, various leaders in history who had just enough mental problems that they were brilliant leaders during a time of trouble because of the the, the hurdles that they had to, to jump over in order to 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 function. Um, it made them good at adapting to very challenging situations. Other guys who had just had a really normal, successful life, they didn't do very well when the bad times came. But they were really good when it was smooth sailing. So they talked about the uh, mental makeup, psychological makeup of Hitler. And it was really interesting uh, a story to read. But one of the things that caught me more is that they did a psychological study of all of the, you know, SS troopers and, and the regular soldiers who served in, in the German army who had acted out all of these things that were absolutely horrific. And you would think of a person like that, like we would think of Paul, is that, you know, these are monsters. They're not human. They're Godless, they're worthless. They have some type of seed within them that's made them just completely an animal. But we'd be wrong. Most of these soldiers that enacted all of the the terrible things had the same psychological makeup of a state trooper. Now I'm not saying don't trust the state trooper. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's not meant to make you afraid of state troopers, but they were just people carrying out their thing. That's why love can look in, and God says, let's look in and let's see who we can redeem here. Let's see who we can redeem because evil has taken over someone, and now they're doing evil to someone else. That's the chain. That's how it works. That's how it always goes down. Evil and hatred take over. They start doing evil and hateful things to other people. Revenge moves on. You just keep adding to the mix, adding to the mix, and it doesn't stop. It only stops when real love steps in, and then things change. And we have to be the people who are brave enough to believe in the change and to live it out and to be persecuted for it. Jesus didn't say, just love people, and uh, you get a Cadillac. He says... They hated me, they're gonna hate you too. They persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you too. But this love thing that he has is worth it. It's worth it. It's the kind of thing that you can fall asleep at night because you know that what you've been doing is pleasing to God and it makes a difference. Okay, back to Corey Timboom. She said, It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had I had, had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives. No matter what the physical scars, those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. And it was as simple and a horrible story as that. So I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift, I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feelings, Lord. You supply the feelings, Lord. And so, woodenly, Mechanically, I thrust my hand into one stretch, the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into the joints of my hand. And then the healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's the power of love. But we'll never see anything like that unless we believe in it. You want to heal things around you? Or if you want to just, hey, let's just keep shouting at each other. You're bad. You're bad. You're full of hate. You're full of hate. You're stupid. I know I'm stupid, but you're still stupid. It's ridiculous. We need people. Sticking their hand out and going, you know what, you want to finish this and let's work for something good? You want to honor God? And and I'm telling you, maybe you're here or you're watching and you say, I don't believe in all that Christian stuff. Let me just tell you something. If you can learn to love like this, it will make your life better. Jesus will make it epic. But this love principle is for anyone, anyone who will trust in it, anybody who will believe in it. We're either going to choose this or we're going to choose the same old garbage that we've just been doing all along. This is the way it is. We hate. We hate. We kill. We murder. We destroy. We put people under our thumb. We rise up. We fall down. Others rise up. We press them down. God's not going to put up with that forever guarantee you that. His kingdom is not going to be made up of that. And if you don't know Jesus today, I say, man, you need to get in his kingdom. You need to pray to God and ask him forgiveness and say, Lord, I want that. I want to stop this cycle of just abuse and oppression. He'll forgive you. He'll say, hey, glad you woke up. Come on in. We got some stuff to do. If you get frustrated, don't know what to do, and you feel like fighting, go to Jesus first. He'll show you how to do it. He'll show you how to do it. And it will be good for everybody. Do you believe in the power of love? I guess we'll find out in the coming months. Things seem to be shaking up pretty crazy out there. I don't know about you, but I've been paying attention. Woo! Woo! Have three cups of coffee right before you get out of bed. Just put the coffee pot right by the bed <laughs> next to the radio podcast and the TV. Is love stronger than hate? I guess we'll find out, right? Love looks for the good. Love has the greatest potential for healing and for peace. Hate, blinded, can't see the good, greatest potential for harm and destruction. That's it. And when it comes home to our doorstep, here's the big thing. That moment will crystallize our resolve to either love, choose love, or give in to hatred. Love brings personal freedom. Hatred imprisons to further cruelty. Which one, my friends, will you choose? All you gotta do is make a move. All you gotta do is make a move. If you don't know Jesus this morning, let me tell you, you can pray and ask him forgiveness of your sins, and i tell you what, he'll do it. And he'll work with you. It's not like all of a sudden everything changes and then you're so perfect walking around, best thing I ever done. Hadn't got a ticket in 10 years. No. He will work with you to redeem you, to build you, to grow you into someone that you'll be proud of. Which one will you choose? Next week, part two, we're going to learn how to love our enemies. So, if you don't have any enemies, try to make a a couple at the beginning of this week so you can learn how to undo that mess. All right? Oh, it's been so much fun this morning. Who doesn't love talking about love? Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for brothers and sisters and friends and visitors and folks who are with us online and here in the service. And we're just so thankful. Um, Lord, we, we want to get it right. Lord, this is a terrible mess. That we do to each other as human beings. And thank you for bearing with us and saying you have an option. And I pray we take that option, whatever the cost. Thank you, Lord, for those who are visiting first time today. Pray that you bless them. Bless them! Amazing. Lord, that just coming in contact with your word that will never return void. I pray everyone here would enjoy the rest of this beautiful New Mexico day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much.
0: This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. NCCABQ.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.